He says, I realize that we are living in a world that is filled with evil and is filled with challenges. A world that feels like that has been turned completely upside down. Would you agree with me on that? It seems like in the last year and a half or two years that we're living in a world that we don't even recognize anymore. It feels like it's just been totally just completely turned upside down. And we also we have an adversary that's trying to kill us, trying to take us out, and he doesn't care how he does it. But you know, according to Matthew 10, 16, the Lord warns us of the dangers ahead. In Matthew 10, 16, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. So be as cunning as snakes, but as innocent as doves. I'd like to read this same verse to you coming from the trans, uh, message translation. It says, stay alert. This is hazardous work that I'm assigning you. He says, you're going to be like sheep running through a wolf pack. He says, so don't call attention to yourselves. He said, be as cunning as a snake and as inoffensive as a dove. And one translation uses the word wise as serpents and innocent as doves. You know, brothers and sisters, the world that we live in today can be and is a very frightening place. It seems like just as we have gotten over, gotten a handle on one of the battles, we're faced with another battle. Yeah, right. However, the Lord has reminded me of his word in, in Hebrews 10, 37 through 38, 39 in voice translation. It says, as the prophet Habakkuk said, in a little while, only a little longer, the one who's coming will come without delay. Hallelujah. And give Lord the praise and glory because we know that's true. Verse 58, 38 says, But my righteous one must live by faith. For if he gives up his commitment, my soul, he says, will have no pleasure in him. You know, the strongest concordance puts it this way. But my righteous one shall live by faith. But if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. You know, we are going, and like I said, we're going to be facing some challenges. We've already been facing some challenges. We're going to be facing some more challenges. And I know when I was invited to go down to North Carolina to minister last weekend, I prayed on this and, and I thought about it because the, the rate on the uh, COVID virus is much greater in North Carolina than it is here. It's one of the states that it's, it's running kind of high. But then when I thought about it, the Lord brought this verse back to me in Matthew 10, 16, where he says that, you know, that we must live by faith. And if we shrink back, his, he'll have no pleasure. His soul will have no pleasure in us. So he's saying to us today that, yes, there's things going on, but there's no need to fear because God is with us. God is always with us. Even though you may think at times that he's not, he's, he's far off, but he's not. He's always nearby. And so, I, I, and another thing, you know, like I said, I was concerned about um, David, and I'll get into that later. I really believe more and more as the Lord Jesus delays, as he tarries, that we're going to face more challenges in walking with our Lord. I really believe that is why he's given me this message, sending you out like sheep among wolves. Because sometimes, because of what it feels like, it feels like danger is lurking everywhere around every corner. And I, I do not minimize, I want you to know that I do not minimize this coronavirus by no means that the enemy has brought on us and it was him that brought it on us. And I don't minimize any sickness for that matter. But we cannot allow it or anything else to keep us in the bondage of fear. We can't. In Job chapter 3 verse 25 in the New King James it says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. 
And the NIV says, what I was afraid of has come upon me. What I worried about, he says, is what has happened to me. Selah. I put a Selah there. All that means is just stop and think about that. The things that I, I've been worrying about, the things I've been fretting about, the things I've been anxious about, these are the things that is coming upon me. I really truly believe that if you'll get your mind on God, on Jesus, and get your mind off of this virus and off of this stuff that's going on the TV and the media, I honestly believe you will not get that virus. I believe you will not. I believe if you'll just get, get close to your father, your daddy, and you stay there and keep your eyes looking up and not all around you, all the things that's going on in the natural, I really believe that you're going to be safe because God promised you. He has not gone back on his word. He promised that he would protect you. He promised you he would pull you out of the pit. He hasn't changed his mind. The Bible says in Hebrews, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. He changes not, brothers and sisters. He changes not. But fear, when you allow the fear to take over, it robs you of your peace. And fear can cause all kinds of anxiety and sicknesses and cause you to attract the very thing that you're the most fearful of. And we can't do that. We can't do that. In other words, all this worrying and fretting only serves to bring the thing you fear the most upon you. And please believe that. It's true. The Bible says it. I don't say it. God said that. Job said, the thing I fear the most is what came upon me. So these are not Job's words. These are God's words. We have to keep in mind who we are and who we represent here on this earth. We need to see ourselves as the warriors that we are, we are ambassadors of the king and not to be someone that's afraid of their own shadow. In Isaiah 51, 12, in the New Living Translation, it says, Ah, yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? We forget the almighty God who is on our side, who has all things and all people under his control. Brothers and sisters, the enemy is able to cause you to fear because you see God far off. Jeremiah 23, 23 says, Am I a God nearby? Declares the Lord, Am I not a God far away? He said, I'm a God that's far away. I'm a God that's nearby. I'm everywhere. I'm here all the time. Amen. Praise God. We see God as far off while we see the devil, our adversary, with our eyes. And we can hear with our own ears his threatening words. You know, all this stuff, as I just mentioned before, all this stuff you hear on the news and the media every day that keeps you in constant fear. According to John 10, 4, it says, when he brought out all his own sheep, and he refers to us as a sheep, he says he goes on ahead of them. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. We follow him. And NIV says in verse 5, says they will never follow a stranger. He said, in fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. But we have been guilty, and I'm guilty too. We all are from time to time, maybe some more than others, but sometimes we are guilty of following, listening to that wrong voice. But Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, and they'll follow my voice, and they won't follow the voice of a stranger. And we need to focus on that. I pray that the words I speak today, tonight, 
would turn your ears away from the enemy and back toward God because of his greatness and know that he loves you and that he will gather you to him like a hen gathers their chicks, according to Luke 13, 34. This is what he said. God is saying that he will help you if you'll let him. In Isaiah 41, 13, in NIV says, I am the Lord your God. He says, I take hold of your right hand. He says, I will help you. Hallelujah. He will help you. I'd like to share with you tonight my testimony about David's miracle. But first, I'd like to give a few of the details leading up to the miracle. Most of you are aware that David's been experiencing a lot of different things over the last six months. Five or six months, it's uh, really been a battle. As a matter of fact, David has been living for the last six months up until the last two weeks with atrial fibrillation, known as AFib, since April. The enemy attacked him while we were preparing for our tent revival back in April. After several attempts to get David's heart back into rhythm, the doctors felt that they were left with only one choice, and that was to perform an ablation on him. It is a condition which causes an irregular and often rapid heartbeat and can lead to stroke and heart failure. It's also called arrhythmia, which is caused by changes to the heart's electrical impulses. And I'm telling you this tonight so that you'll have a better understanding of the situation. The day of the 17th, the day of the surgery, I took David uh, to the hospital, the heart hospital over in Norfolk, and he checked in there at 5.30 a.m. And we, we, I, so I took him in, like I said, we checked in there at 5.30 a.m. in the morning, so we sat there for about a half an hour, an hour waiting to be checked in again, and finally someone come and got, came and got him about 6 o'clock, and uh, I think his name was Joshua. He said, I like that, come think of it, Joshua. <laughs> Joshua, he comes and gets him, introduces himself, and says he's going to take him up to get him prepped for his surgery, and, uh, and uh, he took me with him to the second floor. And put, we both sat down in the room, and then within five minutes, I guess, he came and got David again and left me sitting there. And I think he said usually, I think this operation, they said used to take about seven or eight hours. Now it takes about two hours. And so I don't know. I think he must have gone in about eight, somewhere around in there. I, I really lost track of time. But they took him in to surgery, and then about 11 o'clock, uh, somebody came and got me, and they, they took me into where David was, and, and David was in his room in there. And he was laying there kind of half in, half out. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I went over and talked to him. And about that time, the doctor came in, and uh, he didn't have a good look on his face at all. And he said that um, he wasn't pleased, you know, that they had gone in and to do the heart surgery, but when they went in, they found things that they had not expected to find there that didn't show up, they didn't know until after they got inside, but they worked on that. And he said, we, we worked hard. He said, we think we got it most, all of it. He, but his blood pressure dropped in the surgery and it dropped in his heart rate, and it still was very low. And he said, um, and I want you to know, keep in mind the one thing that you do, you keep your mouth shut. You keep your mouth shut. That's the point of the whole thing. So I'm standing there, it was just me and David. David laying there and I'm sitting there, he's getting the word here and there. And the doctor's telling me, he said, I I'm gonna, I'll be back. He said, I think we're gonna have to take him back in for emergency surgery and give him a pacemaker. Oh I didn't say anything. <laughs> David didn't say anything. But the doctor kept talking. And then he left, he said, I'll be back. And as soon as he closed that door, 
I went over and I put my hand on his heart. And I began to pray over that heart and speak to that heart. And I began to speak to his vitals. And I began to command them to come up. I began to speak to the blood pressure. I began to speak to the rhythm of the heart. And I commanded it to beat perfectly in the name of Jesus. And I just can continue to pray. And then I said, I began to pray in the spirit. And then I'd pray in English and I'd pray in the spirit. And David, he couldn't pray hardly at all because his mouth was so dry. That where they'd had that tube running down. In a few minutes, the nurse came in because they had a little station set outside of his door. And uh, so they really didn't have to come in the room to check his vitals. But she came in just a few minutes later and, and she said, Mr. Ramsey, she says, your blood pressure's coming up. Yeah. And she says, and your heart rate, and she says, it's, it's looking good, better. She's looking better. And uh, a few minutes later, she came in and she said, looking real good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting over there in my chair just praying in the spirit, keeping my mouth shut. You know, and one of the reasons why I wanted to share this with you is number one, to give God the glory and to give him the praise because he deserves it all. Because if it had not been for him, David would have had to go back into surgery and he would have had to have emergency surgery and, and a pacemaker and who knows what would have happened. But we didn't say anything. We didn't give the devil an opportunity this is what we do, folks, when we get, open our mouths, we start talking right away and asking questions. I could have started right away asking the doctor questions and asking him this and asking him that. And it would give Satan an opportunity to come in. But I kept my mouth shut. I kept the gates locked. And it did not give him an opportunity. But it gave God the opportunity. Because when I was praying, it gave him an opportunity to work. And he did. Praise God, he did. And like I said, and secondly, to remind you of how important it is when the enemy attacks you to keep your mouth shut. Saints, your mouth is the gate that gives Satan access into your situation. Access means to give someone the right or the opportunity or, or to benefit from. Are you hearing me? Satan will benefit from your words by turning them against you like some shrewd lawyer would in a courtroom. And Job 15, 3 and 6 in the New Living Bible says, The wise don't engage in empty chatter. It says, What good are such words? What good would it have done me? It wouldn't have done me any good, but it would have done me a great deal of harm and probably give, done a great deal of harm to David had I not known enough to keep my mouth shut. It is so important to keep your mouth shut. I can't express that enough. In verse 6, it says, your own mouth condemns you, not I. He says, your own lips testify against you. Another translation says, on the verse 3, it says, should he reason with unprofitable talk or by speeches with which he can do no good? Think about that. God can't work if you're just doing empty chatter and using unprofitable words. He can't do anything. He can't help you. You can't blame God. Because he's told us to trust him and keep our mouth shut. Keep our gates closed. Praise God. Says, in other words, you're speaking, are you speaking God's word, giving him something to work with? Or are you agreeing with what the devil is telling you and what he's showing you in the natural? Because that's what he's doing. He's showing what I could see in the natural was David laying there and the doctor standing there telling me what they were going to do. And he told me he had to lay flat for four hours, you know, and that was from 11 to 3. But the doctor never came back. 
<laughs> God, God, you never came back. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. People say, how's David doing? He's doing good. I don't think I ever said anything to anybody except David came through it good, and he's doing good. You know, you just don't say any more than you have to. Praise God. And it was right after that that I just thing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It says in Proverbs 12, 6, he said, The mouth of the upright will deliver them. Your words, in other words, your words will deliver you. Or like the Bible just said in Job, either your words will deliver you or condemn you. But God said, I'm not the one that's condemning you. He says, your own mouth, your own lips testify against you. Hallelujah. Saints, we have to learn how to respond to a trial or a bad report because our very first response can make the difference between life and death, success or failure. For instance, if your doctor tells you something you don't want to hear, like he did with me and David, or say a family member calls, calls with news that you don't want to hear or something negative, be polite to that person. But when you hang up, say, Lord, I don't receive that report. Yes. When the doctor left, I said, thank you, doctor. And then I said, I don't receive that. You know, and, and this is what you can say. You say, Father, I don't, you know, say, I don't receive that. I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. And I curse those words and I command them to hit the ground and not bear any fruit. And there'll be no harvest from those words. There'll be no harvest from what that doctor said. There'll be no harvest from it. Are you hearing me? Saints, immediately, in the beginning of your circumstances or at the beginning of your trial, get your faith into motion by declaring who God is and what he's promised to do for you. In John 1, 1, in the Gospel of John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. Make the Word your beginning. Yes. In every situation, in every trial, make the Word your beginning. Are you hearing me? Yes. The Lord knows what's going on. He knows you're fighting these battles, and he's going to get right in the middle of it if you'll let him. But I think a lot of people lose their battles before the war ever begins because of how they choose to respond to their situation. I believe a lot of people would have more success if they'd keep their mouth shut yes, yes, yes. and not go tell everybody on Facebook <laughs> and all you call everybody that you know and then text the rest and message the others. You, you've already let open up so many gates. What can God do? Yeah, I know God is God, but God only does what God says he'll do. And he, and he says, uh, I, I don't honor those words. He said, you, you, you destroyed his chance to come in there and help you. If David and I had, had not kept our mouth shut, we could have had a whole different ending. It could have been a whole different ball game. Praise God. We should keep in mind who we are and who we represent here on this earth. As a matter of fact, David came home the next day Went to work Monday. You know. <laughs> I told somebody, they said something about David. I said, well, he went to work Monday. You know, I brought him home Saturday. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I know he went down to North Carolina with me, the minister, but he stayed at my sister's because we didn't want to, you know, the Lord does give us wisdom. 
and just be, you know just because you know I, I trust the Lord and David does too and he had already performed a miracle on him and there was no need to get out there and flaunt it everywhere and so he stayed at my sister's uh, even though we had and we had an outdoor service uh, and I didn't get near anyone I prayed people were in cars and we prayed over everybody but I delivered the message in spite of the wind and whatever and we went we went anyway the point is I went and I spoke the word as God's given it to me to speak to them, you know. And like I said, David, he got to go even though he didn't get to actually <laughs> go to the service. There's no sense in, there was, I, I, he had just gotten out of the hospital, didn't want to expose him to anything, you know. And I didn't want, I definitely, that's what I had to pray about because I didn't want to go down and, and, and be exposed to something that would bring it back to him, you know. But the Lord wanted me to go, I went, you know. We Christians are God's ambassadors in that we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts, according to 1 Thessalonians 2.4. You know, I strive to teach and preach as the Holy Spirit leads me and not to please man. Sometimes I know I step on toes, but you know, we don't, we're not, we're, we're pastors and ministers, we're not called to preach what you want to hear. We're called to preach what God wants you to hear. And if we ever get to the point to where we are just out there preaching what you want to hear, then we probably need to sit down. Because it's not going to minister to you at all. It might make you feel good for a few minutes, but it's not going to help you when you come into a trial and, and, and a situation that you're going to need a, help, a word. Feeling that feel good uh, feeling is not going to help you. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, we represent another kingdom, according to John 18, 36, and it is our responsibility to reflect the official position of heaven, and that is to walk and act on our authority. Yeah. There may come a time when you're faced with a life or death situation. I don't know if that was a life or death or not. I don't know. I didn't want to find out. I don't think you do either. Think of it like the four leopards in 2 Kings 7, 3. They had a decision to make, and it was a life and death decision they had to make. There was a famine going on, and they had to decide if they wanted to stay where they were and for sure die or take a chance. They took a chance. In verse 3, it says, They said, Why should we sit here waiting to die? He said, They said, We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So at twilight, he said, the lepers set out for the camp of the Arameans, but when they came to the edge of the camp, there was no one there. <laughs> I just love it. I love it. You know, I'm sure, saints, that they were afraid. I know they were afraid. But fear will always create unbelief. But God didn't give us a spirit of fear. That's right. On the contrary, in 2 Timothy 1, in the Easy Read translation, it says, the spirit God gave us does not make us afraid. His spirit is a source of power and love and self-control hallelujah he didn't tell us we wouldn't be afraid he just said fear not you know he knew we were going to be afraid he created us why would he keep telling us to fear not fear not because he knew that we were going to be tempted you can be tempted to be afraid that don't mean you have to be afraid you can be tempted you don't have to do it as a matter of fact there are some things i've been doing lately that i'm not very proud of and um the lord convicted me on that and I said, Lord, 
you know, how, how can I overcome this? You know, um, I, I've got this, I have this uh, issue here. How am I going to overcome it? And, and it's almost like the Lord said, well, just don't put, you in a, put yourself in a position to be tempted. Okay, I can do that. And so, so I had already repented for all, for, I've already repented for everything. And so now I was telling David, I said, I, I, I know what I can do now. I don't, I just don't, I never put myself in that position again to be tempted. And, and it tempted to open my mouth, really, to say something I shouldn't. You want to be careful what you say. You know, sometimes you think you're saying something and, and there's no harm in it. But sometimes we can say things and there's a great deal of harm in it. Yeah. You can be harming another person not even know it, you know. The Bible says don't let any words of corruption come out of your mouth. And yeah. uh, I think it's in Ephesians 4.29. Let no words of corruption come from your lips, but only those that are good to edifying that they shall minister grace to the hearer. Yeah. Right. You know. So just be careful when you're talking about anybody, especially another pastor or even your brother or sister or whatever. Be careful. Yeah. Unless, as somebody said, unless you've walked a mile in their shoes, yes. you don't know what God said to them. You don't know who's talking to Him. Right. And you're not judge and jury. There is a big difference between judging doctrine and judging a person. That's right. That's you can right. judge the doctrine, but you can't judge the person. That's true. Hallelujah. I don't know. God threw that in there. Hallelujah. Maybe somebody needs it besides me. I really don't mind uh, confessing when I mess up. You know, but I am so thankful that God loves me so much that He'll send someone across my path, even in a roundabout way, to minister and let me know the correct thing to do. And that, you know, that even though I've been forgiven and everything, now He's telling me how I can get it right and not do it again. You know. And that comes by listening to the Word and reading the Word. The more you read the Word, the more you listen to the Word, you say, hmm, should have been doing that. <laughs> anyway, it says in verse 7, it says, So it says the Syrians arose and fled into twilight and left their tents, their horses, their donkeys, even the camp as it was, and fled for the lies. I, I really like that. What I really like the fact that when they got there, there was nobody there. I, I like the fact that God made it sound like an army but there was nobody there and how many times has God done that to us you know when the enemy is doing something you know God will make make changes and when the lepers got to the edge it says in the camp they realized it was empty so they went in and they ate and they drank and they carried away all the silver and the gold praise God in other words they overcame it didn't say they weren't afraid they just overcame in spite of it <laughs> the word just tells us they had a decision to make and they made it. And when they took the first step of faith, just like when the doctor left the room that morning, David and I took that step of faith and gave it to the Lord. And like the leopards, then God stepped in and helped them fight their battle. Hallelujah. The battlefield is always going to be in your mind, saints. It is in your mind that the devil tries to deceive you. I'd like to get close to closing here with this. I believe it's a good example of how Satan tries to deceive us. And some of you may have, may have heard this before, but I've been told that when an elephant is born, that they tie him, uh, uh, tie him to a small stake so he won't wander off. So while he is still small and not very strong, he is conditioned to think he can't get loose. He tries to get loose. However, he's not strong enough as a baby to pull loose. 
But the elephant continues to grow and will weigh a, a tons, but he still won't try to break loose from the stake, even though now at his weight, he could pull down the whole tent. He won't even try because he's been conditioned since birth to think he can't. My point, saints, is like the elephant, we've been conditioned a whole life to think that, uh, a lifetime to think because of certain things that we can't do something. But just because you've been conditioned to think a certain way doesn't mean you can't change. The devil's always filling our minds with lies to keep us down, to get us to a point where we won't even try anymore. In the past, maybe you couldn't do that, but you don't, you're not in the past anymore. Now, if you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit to help you. Yes, you know, I can recall times when God would say to me, you mighty woman of God, go do this. <laughs> I felt like uh, Gideon in the wine breath. Who, me? <laughs> and of course, he, you know, and I think, well, he doesn't know who he's talking to. <laughs> but of course, he knew he was talking to, you know, he created me. And he created you, and he knows full well what you can do and what you can't do. So when God tells you you can do something, you can do it. Amen. But brothers and sisters, I think sometimes we all have difficulty recognizing who we are and the power and authority that we've been given. It feels like sometimes, you know, that life is like a whirlwind. Things just keep moving faster and faster, coming at us from all angles, making you feel like an emotional turkey sometimes. <laughs> like you lost control. You know, but they say in a storm that a turkey reacts by running under the barn with the wings over its head. Where in contrast, an eagle, when it senses a storm coming, it spreads its wings and allows the wind to carry it higher. I don't know about you, but I want to be an eagle, even though sometimes I feel like a turkey. Some days I feel like a turkey tonight, but I'm up here. And I'm going to soar <laughs> as long as I can stand here. I'm convinced storms are coming. But I believe if we'll let him, that God will use those storms to help us to soar higher in our relationships with him. I encourage you to spread your wings of faith and to keep your focus on Jesus. Let Jesus quiet the storms in your life like he did with his disciples in Matthew 8:25, when they encountered a storm. Let me finish with this. Don't get angry with your circumstances. Rise up and speak to your mountains. Speak to those storms and watch God perform his word. He says he will in Jeremiah 1.12. He says he's active and he's alert to perform his word. Choose your words carefully, brothers and sisters. Guard your words and, you choose, your, and choose life. Know that what you choose is what you're going to have. When I say guard, choose your words carefully like your life depends upon it. In some circumstances, your life is going to depend upon your choice. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, an easy read Bible, it says, Today I'm giving you a choice of two ways. And I ask heaven and earth to be witnesses of your choice. He says you can choose life or death. He says the first choice will bring a blessing. The other choice will bring a curse. So choose life that you and your children may live. And remember in Proverbs 18, 21 in the God Word translation, that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love to talk will have to eat their own words. <laughs> Praise God, I've been eating mine for a while. <laughs> Going to die. <laughs> 
Your choice, brothers and sisters, will determine your future. You know, guard your heart. This is a new day, brothers and sisters. It's a new beginning. God is doing a new thing. He's equipping us through his word. Run your race, as Timothy said. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And never forget for one second that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are Jesus. You are a warrior of the Most High God. And there is no need for you to be like a turkey and run on a barn with your wings over your head. But it's okay sometimes. You know, if we didn't do that sometimes, you know, we think we're not human. You know, but, but we are. We are. And um, it, it's like uh, even now, and I don't know why, but it's taken uh, every ounce of strength and energy I have to stand up here for some reason or another. But I do know this. I know that God loves us. And I know that this was a word that he wanted you to hear. Some of you might need the word that I preached tonight. You might need it right now. You might need it tomorrow. But if you don't, if you don't know, do anything else, and if, if you only learn one thing tonight that I've taught, keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. That will save your life. Father God, I thank you so much for this word tonight. I thank you for giving me the courage, the strength, and the energy to come up here and deliver this word. I thank you, Father, that I really think that this, was a that this word will bless all those that have ears to hear tonight. If they have ears, Lord, and they do have ears tonight, I pray that they will hear the heard this word, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that they receive this word and know that it's a word from you, Lord. It's, it's a warning. It's a warning. So, Father, I thank you tonight that they're taking this word and they're taking it seriously. That in the future, that they're going to re their response is going to be to focus on you, Lord, to focus on you. And in the beginning of any situation, in the beginning of any circumstances, their their response is, is going to be your word, Lord. In the beginning was the word, and in the and in the middle of their situation, it's going to be the, their beginning is going to be with your word. So, Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory, and thank you again for it's in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen.